welcome to mini episode 47 of Real Life Ghost Stories. How you do? I've got five lovely listener stories for you today. Uh oh. <laughs> Story number one comes from Ellie. My boyfriend Tom and I got a cat almost two years ago, and around the same time we adopted a couple of puppies, namely two pit bulls. We called the cat Gladys Knight, so it's Gladys Knight and the Pits, which has no bearing on the story though. Okay, I have to pause. That's I know amazing. I know it's got no bearing on the story, it's but amazing, no. I'm so yep. glad you included that detail. Yep, it is a, it is a, a crucial piece of evidence. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Just the, the, the most important evidence of this whole yep, story, I believe. Definitely. Anyway, we taught the puppies a bunch of tricks and Gladys would join in. She can do sit, shake, roll over and even fetch. When she does a few tricks, she gets a treat. But about four or five months ago, Gladys started coming over to us at around 8pm each evening and demanding a treat without performing any tricks, which we relented to, and would call it her after eight treat. We didn't think much of it until one day at around eight, Tom called for me to come take a look at something. On the bed, Gladys was looking up at nothing. Tom said to watch. Gladys sat to attention, and then she rolled over then looked up at nothing and put her paw up. Her paw moved up and down like she was doing the shake. Then she turned to us, came over and demanded her treat. Tom told me that he saw her doing the exact same thing the day before too, by chance. And this is what she was doing each evening before her treat request. Tom tried to record it, but both times when he tried, nothing happened. In fact, Gladys just stared at him until he put the phone away, and then she proceeded to do her nightly ritual. Nothing else particularly strange happens in our house, and the pit bulls don't seem to react to anything either, but Gladys still comes over to us every evening for a treat just after eight. It's very peculiar. You know how I feel about animals acting out of character. They've got a good sense of things. But this almost feels like a ghostly thing has watched Tom and Ellie doing their things with uh, Gladys Knight in the pits, and... Just taking it upon themselves to do it with Gladys Knight. <laughs> well, <laughs> Which if anybody go. wants to sound by it, <laughs> it's a very If anybody story. <laughs> happens to walk in at this very point in time, it's going to be incredible. Cats are very clever creatures, but they're also creatures of habit. Yeah, that's true. And if you ingrain something in them, they will do it regularly, like mealtimes. That's very strange. Now, I have to say, obviously, it's a ghost. However, part of me wonders if, because they're not as trainable as dogs, part of me wonders if the understanding of what they've been trained to do is slightly different. And maybe like Tom or Ellie did the routine with Gladys Knight at some point in the bed, on the bed. And it's just her going (laughs) back. This just gets better and better. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just her going back to the bed to perform the ritual because that's where she thinks she has to be. Who, Gladys Knight? Gladys Knight. Yep. That's where she thinks she has to be to get the treat. Gladys Knight performing a ritual with Tom and Ellie in order to get treats. Yeah, yeah. got it. I mean, if you want to just cut the story and just literally put my explanation on YouTube on its own, people will think, what is that? Yep, it'll definitely entice people over to the podcast. <laughs> and our second story today comes from Ariel. My story begins just after my 26th birthday. 
At the time, I was working as a lunch lady, but since I live in America and my job did not offer health insurance and turning 26 made me age out of my parents' insurance, I had to change jobs. Luckily, I was able to stay at the middle school where I worked, but now as a custodian. I started just as school let out for summer vacation. During the summer, the custodians work room by room, taking every single piece of furniture out of each classroom, scrub it top to bottom, scrub all the furniture and put it back together again. It was backbreaking work with long hours. It was during this summer scrub down that I saw my first ghost, or what I believed to be a ghost. I had never experienced anything like it. I had come into work one morning and entered an empty classroom in the sixth grade hallway and witnessed a wisp of fog move across the middle of the room. I was shocked and excited as I had never seen such a thing. I was also freaked out and decided to clean a different area of the school that day. Now the school was a long rectangular building with the library sat in the middle. One side was divided into three parallel hallways connecting at the library. One hallway per grade 6, 7 and 8. On the other side of the library was the cafeteria, gym and auditorium. One custodian per hallway, one for the gym, one for the auditorium and library, so five of us all together. We only ever saw each other at lunchtime because the school was so big. As the school year began, I was assigned to the 8th grade hallway, which also housed the principal's office and nurse's office, as well as about 12 classrooms, a computer room and a bathroom. I started my day at around 2.30, school let out at around 3, and the last after-school activities would end at around 6. It was weird enough being alone in the school, but as the day got later and later, the creepier my hallway got. I hated cleaning the special needs classroom. Each grade had a classroom for special needs students. The room would be large enough to also have a kitchen, its own bathroom and a calming closet. A calming closet is a small padded soundproof room with a locking door with a window. I was never there to see children locked inside but I did have to clean it and it creeped me out. I would never step into the closet as I feared the door slamming shut behind me and locking me in. I would stand just outside and vacuum and mop it the best I could. On my first day there, I remember thinking to myself, what if there's a ghost child stuck in here because he doesn't know he's dead? It was a thought I had every night working at the school. I'd clean the room as quickly as possible and run out and lock the door behind me. As the school year progressed, weird things started happening. I was still creeped out by the special needs classroom and didn't even want to walk by it. I felt as if I was being watched. The classroom had children's toys and once in a while they would go off by themselves. There would be times I'd be in the classroom cleaning, the music would start playing on a toy or it would start reciting the ABCs. I'd grab my cart and get the fuck out of there. I had a feeling toys were being played with by a boy with dark hair. I never saw him but it's always what I felt he looked like. Other nights I'd be in a different classroom, cleaning long after the students and teachers were gone, but I'd hear running in the hallways and doors opening and closing. These weren't classroom doors but doors to the outside. Each grade's hallway had an outside exit, but these were two sets of double doors divided by a breezeway area. I'd only ever hear one set of doors open. I'd hear one set of doors and go outside into the hallway where I'd find absolutely no one. There should be someone standing in the breezeway if only one set of doors had been opened. I would clean the bathrooms and think there were people in the stalls because I would see shadows moving but no one would be there. Some nights I'd hear a tapping in the lockers and what sounded like people on the roof. 
I dreaded going to work every day. I hated all of the unexplained noises and I hated the special needs classroom and especially the calming closet. A few months into the school year, I had an interesting conversation with a co-worker. I had never mentioned the odd occurrences in my hallway for fear of ridicule from my co-workers and I really needed the job. Well, one night, the man who cleans the gym came over to my side of the school and told me that he had just spent the last hour chasing some boy with dark hair. He said he couldn't seem to catch him. And then he paused and said that he thought that he might have been chasing a ghost. He went on to tell me how the gym lockers would shake and tap and how it sounded like people walking on the roof and feels like he's being watched. I was relieved to know someone else was experiencing these things too. I told him about the experiences I'd been having in my hallway. I told him about the running in the halls and the toys going off and how I believed the ghost to be a boy with dark hair. And we agreed that it must be the same ghost. Some nights I wouldn't have activity in my hallway, but my co-worker would have activity in the gym. Other nights I'd have toys playing music and he wouldn't experience a thing. I did some research to see if there were any middle school aged children who had passed away, but I couldn't find anything. I feel that schools, like we said before about buildings that are in the daytime very busy, probably carry over a certain amount of residual energy. I also feel like you got yourself a little boy ghost there as well. And the thing about school is that for some people it's the best time of their life and for some people it's the worst time of their life. And if you're a child who passes away, school is the biggest part of your life. So I actually wouldn't be surprised if there were some residual hauntings or the energy of children was tied to school because it's the most important part of your life when you're a child it's the, the the place where you spend the most time it is the place where you have friends or don't have friends or you might have a really positive experience or a really negative experience so it makes sense yep and it's also 100 percent convinced me that i don't need to go to any schools at night time anymore was that a regular thing that you were doing <laughs> you are on fire today oh man what am i setting myself up for no it's not a regular thing that i do i just meant in general schools at night time probably not somewhere i want to be yeah they're creepy just in general actually yeah they're creepy and our third story today comes from gina i've been a nurse for about 10 years now both in long-term care and icu my most memorable stories come from my days in the nursing home i had a favorite resident and we'll call her June. June was a creature of habit, always wanting to go to bed at exactly 9.30. So one night, we went to get her ready for bed, and she refused. They're coming for me, and I need to stay here, she said, and would not leave the common visiting area. I waited about half an hour and asked her again, and again she refused. They're coming to get me, and I need to stay here. Now, I was getting pretty freaked out because June was not a confused woman and usually very ready to lay down in bed. Finally, about two hours after all this had started, she yelled out, Fine! I'm ready for bed. They took him instead. She was so disgusted and certain of what was happening that the other staff and I started investigating every room downstairs to make sure all the other residents in bed were okay. Once we had the first floor clear, we called to the nurses upstairs and told them what had happened and asked them to check all of their rooms. At first, they scoffed. But then about 15 minutes later, a nurse called downstairs and told us that they had found a male resident who had passed away in his sleep unexpectedly. This man lived in the room directly above June's. 
they took him instead. I don't, I don't even know where to start with that. I've got so many questions. I feel like, you know, we always say like the, the vowel is a little bit closer for children. Maybe it's a little bit closer to the other side as well. Like, I, is it, has she just like started off some chain, like final, final destination chain of events though, in that nursing home? Potentially. Because she dodged it. But how, also she knew they were coming as well. That's, that's kind of creepy. Who's, Who are they? Who's taking her to the other side? Who was they? Who's aliens? And he's oh. not actually, he's dead. He's like a changeling. But they've taken his spirit to outer andromeda of course yeah, yeah. i don't know where that is i can <laughs> i can really you can really tell that you've had a long day at work <laughs> oh the delirium's setting early today, yeah is it? it really okay. is i i've just got so many questions about this which i don't think we'll ever have the answers to but it just seems she must have known something that the rest of the people didn't and did the gentleman know before they took him who are they who are they? That's the thing that freaks me out. And like, there are so many stories about nurses in nursing homes in particular, where older people will talk to, you know, people who have passed. Mm. Just weird things, weird things that happen coming up to death. And I'm going to say here and now there is a TV show and loads of people have messaged me about it. There is a TV show on Netflix called Surviving Death. And yes, don't worry, we are absolutely going to watch it. And once we've watched about it, we will talk about Watch it. about it. Once we've watched about it. <laughs> Christ, it's both of us tonight. Once we've watched it, we will talk about it and probably do a, some sort of linking episode. But don't worry to everybody who's messaged me. I, I see it. I know it's there. I'm on it. But there are so many stories about death that are just really profound and also quite frightening who who came for her and our fourth story today comes from tyler about four years ago when i still lived at my mom's house my room was in the basement i'd lived in that house almost my whole life and nothing weird or unexplained ever happened up until about a year before i moved out i started to see shadows shoot by me down the stairs and there would be nobody in the house with me at the time I'd heard my name whispered in my ear, waking me up in the middle of the night. Nothing too serious or scary. I could live with it. But then one day I woke up to check my phone at like 10am. The sun was shining through my window and everything. All of a sudden, as soon as I put my phone down and laid my head back down, everything went dark. Like pitch black. And I couldn't move anything except my head. I could hear a whisper in my ear right next to me and I felt something crawl into bed with me. I turned my head as slowly as possible, and at this point my eyes adjusted to the sudden change in the light. But when I turned my head, I could see a shadow lying there, with an indent in the bed where it was. Of course I couldn't move, so I just turned my head back and pretended like I didn't just see anything, and when I did that the blankets started floating above me. I looked down at my arms and legs to make sure that it wasn't just me doing it, since I couldn't tell. But nope. My arms were laying flat on the bed and my legs were exactly how they were when this started. At this point I started sweating even more and I'm getting really creeped out because not only are my blankets floating above me but there is a shadow figure laying right next to me. Then whatever shadow figure was laying next to me suddenly floated above my face. All I could hear were whispers and they got louder and louder and then stopped. The sunlight was shining through my window again. My blankets were on me just as they were supposed to be. I wasn't sweating at all. 
but I could move. But of course I just stayed there for a minute. I turned over to look at my phone again and then went to sleep, and that was that. Nothing like that has ever happened to me since. My girlfriend and everyone else I've told just said it was sleep paralysis, but I don't know. It just felt a lot different from that. I know it wasn't sleep paralysis. It was definitely something else, but I just don't know what. We've never had a sleep paralysis story where someone has woken up in the light and then been plunged into darkness. No. Just want to put that out there. It also has got reminiscent of stories we've had in the past that have been suspected alien encounters. Oh, don't say that. Hasn't it? What has? Because it's groups, it's people talking and floating and something in bed with him. It sounds very alieny. It's a short space of time. Yeah, it sounds very alieny to me. But also, it could be like just paranormal. But it's the whis- I find the whispering really unnerving. Yeah. I'd also not like particularly like anything getting into bed with me that I didn't know what it was either. Because it's I- that invasion of space, isn't it? I think. I never wake up. <laughs> I would never wake up, but I also ha- I'm somebody who has had exploding head syndrome like numerous times, but it's never woken me up in the middle of the night. Mm. So when I get exploding head syndrome, I often hear my dad calling my name, and it is always as I'm falling asleep. It never is something that happens in the middle of the night, mm. or it doesn't wake me up. Does it sound like exploding head? There's too many voices. It's normally a singular voice, isn't it? Rather than... Oh, it can be anything with exploding heads. Oh, okay. It could be like music or an orchestra or gunshots or a car okay. crash, anything. Mm. Mm, yeah, it's aliens, I think. Sorry, mate. Oh, I wasn't expecting you to say aliens. Oh, no, I don't feel okay about it. Do you remember that story about the one that climbed off and cut the legs? Yes. It sounded a little bit like that. That's what it was making me think of. Yes, and then that was the same episode... No, was it the same episode? Well, there was an episode where we did a story where the little girl then was really frightened of Scooby-Doo. Yep. Because of the Aliens episode. Yep. Ooh, it makes me really sad. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> we were going to do an Aliens episode this week and then I chickened out because okay. I, I just didn't don't have the mental capacity to research something that really scares me <laughs> this week. I just thought, no, I can't do it. I yep. can't do it. So well, we're... You're going to be doing a good old-fashioned haunting instead because I find that way easier. <laughs> uh, this is Aliens. And our final story today comes from Auli. I've had several paranormal experiences in my life and I'm sensitive to energies. I can very easily read people and places. For example, I can sense if someone is having a hard time or if someone is lying. I believe in energies, soul groups, the other side, soul journey, aliens, etc., but I'm not sure about how I feel about the traditional good versus evil spirits, etc. Although I am very freaked out about weird noises, dark corners, dark forests, ghost stories, because of all the very scary movies I've watched and stories I've heard. Out of the many experiences I've had, I picked a few to share, and at least the first one is too complicated for me to just simply brush off or find a reasonable explanation for it. I've lived in Australia for a few years, and worked there as a CSE in a church-run nursing home. The building itself was quite old, not scary English old, but Aussie old, where it looked like it was built in the 90s. Although it looked pretty welcoming and very American on the outside, the corridors inside were long and shadowy. It was maze-like, and there were definitely parts where it resembled an old asylum. 
It was a bit intimidating to work nights there, since there were only three people working and the place seemed a whole lot bigger and darker when you walked the corridors by yourself in silence. I never really experienced anything that scary that had to do with the building itself. The days were so busy with tens and tens of patients to care for each shift, I wouldn't probably even have noticed if I'd accidentally helped a ghost take a shower or tucked one in for the night. The nursing home had two long circular corridors on two levels, with one corridor dividing the circle in half. There were two common areas for both more independent residents and those who needed more assistance. Those who lived more independently had rooms downstairs, and there was always just one person who worked with them. The home was divided into sections each shift, and usually two to four CSEs worked in one section with other assistants and RNs. There was this one woman, whom I helped in almost every shift, no matter which part of the home I worked. She was nearing the end of her life, and grew weaker every passing day. She was very fragile and bedbound, but her mind was working normally and she had a quick wit. We had very good conversations. It was all business as usual on a random night at work. I went into her room to help her sit up to eat supper. Right as she saw me enter, she said, You need to stop coming here. I don't like the woman who follows you around. Paranoid little me felt an instant shiver run up and down my spine as I froze in place and thought about this statement for a millisecond and then turned around. What woman? I asked and turned to look if some other resident had followed me, but there was no one behind me in the room, well, no one that I could see at least. The woman insisted there was someone who followed me, so I had a peek out of the room to see if someone was in the corridor, and it was empty in all directions. Almost too empty, and too silent. At this point I had convinced myself that I was in danger, and some freaky lady spirit in a white dress would attack me. I was working alone in that end of the nursing home that evening and I couldn't recall which room my colleague had gone into. There were a few people who needed assistance with eating scattered all around the home, so they could be helping anyone. I wanted to curl up into a little ball and start crying, that's how scared I was all of a sudden. The lady broke my train of thought and replied sharply, That woman who follows you always wants to talk to me, but I've nothing to say to her, yet she doesn't believe me. I tried to calm myself down and keep my eyes strictly on her. I convinced her that I'd help her up and get out of her hair in no time with my apparent companion and I'd try and get someone else to help her later on. She was satisfied but still annoyed. I asked her a few questions as I helped her up, like, where is the lady now? I was painfully aware of the feeling that someone was behind me, maybe due to paranoia. Was she sitting in the chair right behind you? She replied and peeked around my shoulder. I can see your flowy hair, you know. You can't hide behind her. She went on to the spirit, apparently now sitting behind me. I giggled nervously and remembered the grudge and the ring and the feeling of someone watching me intensified. I didn't want to check the chair, but I had to because in my head the woman was doing all kinds of horror movie tricks behind me in the room and I could not stand the thought of them. I tried to remain standing as I slowly turned to check if someone was behind me but the room remained empty, at least to my eyes. Suddenly the whole nursing home started to feel a bit too shadowy, too quiet and I felt like I was the only person in the building with the elderly woman and my ghostly companion. I felt a wave of despair wash over me. 
I wanted to cry again and bolt the hell out of work and quit and run to the nearest church to take a bath in holy water, but I didn't. I turned back to the lady and smiled stupidly while helping her get comfortable. I asked what the spirit was wearing. A long black dress with white collars and black shoes. I asked had she been following me for a long time. Well, it's been a few weeks now. I asked if she was always around. She's only around when you are. I asked if she knew her. No, but she knows you. Shivers ran up and down my spine again. I left the lady eating her supper and half ran out of the room trying not to look at the chair in the corner. I went to my colleague who I found working at the other end of the corridor and asked them to come with me to assist the lady to bed later on as she seemed reluctant to let me help her and I felt very uncomfortable roaming around the dark hallways by myself that night. We had a brief conversation about the spirit apparently following me and my colleague said that maybe it's someone who has come to escort the lady to the other side. They told me about a few instances where other patients had started to see behind the veil when the end drew near. I've heard many of those stories myself, spirits coming to visit patients that are either very ill or nearing the end, or patients describing the glimpses of other realms as I've worked in multiple places like that. But the lady had told me that the spirit who followed me was unknown to her, but knew me. Why would she be following me anyway? Did she wait for me in the nursing home or come with me when I left for home? My colleague brushed my experience off and for the rest of the night I followed them like a puppy and panicked over every noise I heard and movement I saw from the corner of my eye. I felt eyes on me the whole shift and I would feel a cold touch on my arm from time to time as if someone had brushed it. I finished the shift and went home taking two buses at night and walking the last stretch home didn't feel too bad anymore. I was glad I got the hell away from that place and hoped the spirit spent her nights there. Days went on and after that night the lady flat out refused to let me into her room and we thought that it was for the best for the others to help her. We didn't want to cause her any extra stress. She might even yell, do not bring her in here, when I passed her doorway, reminding me that the companion was still there. The day came when the lady left this realm and I hoped the spirit left with her, but I still got the feeling that someone was watching me and I would feel a cold hand on my arm sometimes. A few times I woke up to someone whispering my name in my ear, but no one was there when I opened my eyes. Nothing more than that, and nothing sinister, although made a little sinister by my imagination thanks to the movies. I Skyped with my mum weeks after the lady was gone and described to her what she had told me, and I was still wondering about the spirit. My mum went silent for a while and then said, Why on earth would Maria follow you around? She said, wondering as though this was a common occurrence. My heart sank and I just stared at my mum. Maria. She, as my mum told me, was my mother's grandmother, who had passed away decades before I was even born. She was a woman that my mother was very fond of and spent all of her summer holidays with her sister at the farm Maria and her husband owned. When the call ended, my mum sent me a picture of an old photo. In it was a woman with long dark hair, a modest black dress with white collars and black shoes, standing with her husband outside their farmhouse. Mum could only guess why she'd been following me. I'd never even met her. 
Given that the only person who could verify that the spirit was Maria had passed on, I could never be sure if it was her 100%. I do not have a clue why she might have been there, but I was in a pretty bad relationship at the time, so maybe she was there to protect her great-granddaughter from too much harm, or to help me realise I should leave, and eventually I did. I don't know if she is still here with me after almost a decade, but I do still sometimes wake up to someone whispering my name or gently knocking on my bedroom door, no matter where I live at the time. Now as I'm writing this, I feel like someone is gently brushing my left arm, almost soothingly with a cold hand, and every so often I feel a cold breath in my ear, as if someone is whispering something to me that I cannot hear. My dad passed away when I was four and I've only ever had three dreams where he has been in them. Mum sees him frequently, not in her dreams, but he visits her especially if something is wrong. For example, my boyfriend attacked me one night while I was in Australia, and around the same time on the other side of the world, my dad appeared to my mum's living room, and my mum had gotten an instant feeling that I was in trouble. She messaged me as the police were escorting my then partner out the door, demanding to know what was going on. I had my first dream of my dad a few weeks after he passed away. In the dream he came to me and explained that he has to leave and I cannot see him for a while, but I shouldn't worry since there were celestial beings watching over me, even when it didn't feel like it. In the dream, I watched him get into a car and back out onto the street and drive away. The second dream was in 2014 during Halloween. I went to light a candle on his grave on All Saints Day. We do not officially celebrate Halloween in Finland, but go visit the graves of loved ones and light a candle for them as we do on Christmas Eve. As I stood there watching the candle flicker in the dark, I asked aloud why I never see him in my dreams, but he appears to my mother. I sometimes have people visit me in my dreams who are passed away, or have passed away, so why never him? That evening I went to bed and fell asleep. In the dream I was in water swimming up, and I finally got out from underwater gasping for air, and I noticed I was by our old summer house. This was a summer house my mum and her partner rented for us in the 90s. It was night, and moon was shining brightly in the sky lighting the area. I noticed that the water didn't feel like anything around me, and now I was standing waist deep in it. Also the air on my skin felt like nothing, like I was in a world where everything is exactly as warm as my body, and I was a little bit numb so that I could not feel anything touching me. I usually feel everything in my dreams. I stood in the water and turned around wondering, was that an actual dream I was in? From where I was, I saw my dad walking on the beach towards the summer house, immersed in conversation with another man. He didn't have the bluish hue that everything else had, since it was night time. It was as if he and his companion were taking the walk somewhere else, but were just projected into my dream. I started towards the beach, and then the water felt like nothing as I moved, like I was walking on land with numb feet. Inside, it looked like to him the house wasn't even there. Dad, I said, but he didn't hear. I went closer and grabbed him by the arm. He turned and looked startled, like he was looking at a ghost, like he could not believe it was me standing there, and said, This is why I never... And then I woke up. Years went on and I never dreamt of him again, until suddenly one night this February. I was in a building in my hometown that's some kind of warehouse, but in my dream it was a restaurant of sorts with yellow walls and yellow decor. It was very sunny outside. 
My mum was there and her partner, and my partner too. We were kind of just standing around and then the door opened and my dad walked in. He was in his army clothes I've seen him wear in pictures. In Finland it's compulsory for men to attend army for at least six months after they turn 18. My dad looked young. He was smiling, took his hat off and was very happy and eager to meet everyone. He said he was so happy to see me and he hugged me, introduced himself to my partner and said to my mum's partner that he was happy to finally be able to meet him. And then I woke up. I said to my partner the following morning how weird it was that I suddenly dreamed of my dad. The next day my mother called me and said that my dad's mother had a massive stroke the night before. The same night that I saw my dad. All of a sudden I knew why my dad was there. And although my grandmother didn't die of that stroke, she was transferred after a couple of days to a smaller hospital in her town. I knew her time had come. My dad had come to take her to the other side. I went to see my grandmother and it was evident that the stroke had been massive and she would never be her cheerful self again. And three weeks later she passed on. When I left her bedside she said something to me but her speech was so muddled I could not figure out what she was trying to say. I suddenly remembered the time she told me my dad and her late husband had visited her when she had been ill in the past. I wondered if she had been trying to tell me that my dad was there too. I didn't feel sad in her funeral since I had known that the day of her passing was near. Why else would my dad be there? Most importantly, I knew my dad had been with her those final weeks and moments and had taken her wherever we go after this life. When it comes to the last dream, I believe that my mum, her partner and my partner were actually there too, even though they do not remember it. I believe that all of us visit different places, dreams and realms and spirit, but we just don't know it or we don't remember it. There was a lot in that story really, wasn't there? Interesting about how she'd been followed around by great grandmother. I think that was the, the the ghostly apparition of Maria. And I I wonder whether like really old ghosts appear in the clothes that they know they've had a photo taken of them in, so you know who they are. If they make a conscious choice in the afterlife, yeah. they're like, God damn it, where is that nice black dress that I was in that photo in? Whereas nobody's going to know who I am. <laughs> I feel like they don't have to put clothes on. I feel like they can just think what they want. Like, you'd love it because you'd change your ghostly outfit every day. Oh, I'd be like a drag queen. Yeah. All day, every day. And you just think what you want to wear and that's what you appear in. But I, f- I feel like that's like a sort of, it's almost a signposting thing, isn't it? It's like, if you've only had like one or two photos taken of you in your lifetime, which someone in that, of that generation, it, that may be the case then if you appear into relatives that never met you, you have to signpost who you are if you can't tell them. Do you know what I mean? That might be a way that they do that. Isn't that such a weird thought that, like in our great-grandparents' lifetime, they would remember every photo that would have been taken of them? Yeah, some of them probably didn't even have a photo taken of them. Whereas in our modern world, we take photos like literally every day. Yeah. which <gasps> So weird. I wonder it's like, I wonder more modern ghosts probably don't have to do the same thing, do they? Because you just... There's so many images of them, you'd recognise who they are, I guess. But I'm frustrated is not the right word. I'm disappointed for the storyteller that the lady, the old lady died before she got the opportunity to show her the photo. Because it would have been interesting to see whether she was like, yep, that's the one. And they'd yeah. have to like, because it, it, she was in a real predicament. Because I think when you're, when you're in a nursing home and you're doing that, you have to be careful of how you handle people, don't you? Because if you're if someone's getting irate, at the fact that they can see someone and you can't, 
you don't want to fuel that by continually probing because you don't want them to feel silly or to get too cross or to get too irate so you almost have to play along with this idea of something that you can't see yeah and if you're scared that must make it terrible (laughs) i mean fair play to Auli for not for continuing with her job when she was feeling really frightened Mm. because i would shit myself if i was in an old people's home and this person and somebody was like oh you keep bringing that woman in and i Mm. fucking hate her stop bringing her here i'd be like right okay i'll see you later i'd be semi tempted to turn around and ask her to leave the woman yeah just turn around and say can you please leave yeah oh, okay I'll see, oh I was interesting like I'll, see, like I'll see you later or something like that just so i wouldn't want to offend a ghost but at the same time if it's bothering a patient i don't know it'd be so hard though it's so difficult because you know there's nothing there like you whoa <laughs> you can't see anything there so it must be really hard to sort of to find the balance yeah and to stop your own emotions coming through as well and you're right not to make the person feel silly or not to antagonise the situation mm. any further. Even if you did want to desperately want to know more about it, you'd have to be like, okay, the thing how is, do I manage this? They're adults. So yeah. you have to treat them in a different way. With a kid, you can kind of laugh it off, can't you? And you can make something up and change the subject and distract yeah. them from it. But when it's when, when it's an adult and it's an, an older adult and there's, there's there's a certain element of respect to your elders, I guess, and built in you naturally anyway, you don't want to cause any distress and, you know, like, did you, obviously Ali didn't say anything about this patient, but if dementia's coming into play as well, that's the worst thing you can do is to get more distressed because yeah. it just becomes even more distressing. <laughs> it's interesting that we have two end-of-life stories. Mm. Again, we have these this, this pattern that emerges in stories where we end up with really similar stories all in the same episode, which I just think is very strange. It does make you wonder, though, doesn't it? Because if she could see Ali's great-grandmother following her and was very aware of the fact that that one followed her how many others did you see knocking about and just presume they were actual people yeah there's a possibility yeah which then makes me wonder about that old lady in the pub where i used to work who saw that girl climbing on the on the furniture yeah yeah but loads of people had seen that girl yeah it wasn't just that old woman i firmly believe that girl was a was a thing not just a figment of that woman's imagination and that's why I will never return. If you enjoyed this week's episode, you can find everything you need to know about us on reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. You can send your own spooky story to Podcast at gmail.com. These stories came from the first week of April 2020. If you want to support us on Patreon, you can do so on patreon.com forward slash real life ghost stories, where for $5 a month or for $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content. And on that note, we shall see you next week. Bye.